called Snowballing from 1972. Ooh. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, related to the act or if it's just like they've just got like a cheap ski resort set. I hope it's both. It should be both. Yeah, they're they're up at the cheap ski resort, and uh, they're tongue kiss and come back and forth. All right, uh, and that's just it. They've broken their legs and they can't ski anymore this weekend, <laughs> and all that's left to do is a uh, swap come. Oh yeah, it's like a famous swingers party. <laughs> I don't know. I think of a. I was thinking of the movie Avalanche, and I think Frank Sinatra was in it. Okay. I just imagine him swapping a bunch of cum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what that Frank Sinatra song, Something Stupid. Oh, it's yeah. It's about swapping cum and how he didn't like it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't see Frank Sinatra in the cast. I see Rock Hudson and Robert Forster in the cast. It's probably Mia Rock. Farrow. Okay, but she was married to Frank Sinatra. Or was banging him, right? Because uh, that one kid, Ronan, that's definitely Frank Sinatra's kid and not Woody Allen's. Okay. I think so. I don't know. I think that you know, it's supposed to be Woody Allen's, but I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow's child. Mia Farrow was in Rosemary's Baby, which is an excellent film. Yes. By rapist Roman Polanski. Oh, yeah. Who uh, also did The Fearless Vampire Killers and staged uh, Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did that. That was the first one he made after everyone got cut up by the Manson family. Oh, yeah. So it all ties back to the Manson family, ultimately, for me. Yeah, it always does for you. Yeah. <sighs> I really wish I could have been in that family. <laughs> It seems like the sort of family you could get along in. Yeah. Uh, better than that Woody Allen family, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things didn't go well for uh, those kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Raincoat Report. Yeah, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello, this week we're talking about Charles Manson. We sure are. Uh, no, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, the the funny papers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk uh, sex in the comics. Yes, we are. And how the world evolved alongside sex in the comics yes. throughout the 20th century. Sure, yeah, exactly. What a history lesson this film was. It sure was. It told me everything I needed to know about dirty cartoons it's uh, or comics more appropriately it's like uh it's like real history class because i just kind of drifted off in the middle of it to think about other things <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh you ever read the comics you read the comics page through not the funny a, papers not a whole lot like whenever i would get a hold of a paper i would check it out for like garfield yeah and uh i don't know that's about it like I, i've read some peanuts i've read a little bit of uh calvin and Hobbes. Uh-huh. uh but I, I never got into like beetle bailey or kathy or family circus or oh, anything boy. well let me tell you anytime i get a newspaper and pretty much daily uh from the time i was like probably like six or so i would 
read every single comic in the paper, which included going to the sports page to find Gil Thorpe. <laughs> but I would forget about him so often that I would didn't know what his exploits were. He was exiled there because he was a football coach. And they're like, no one who reads the comics wants to read Gil Thorpe. But people who read the sports page just want one comic, and that comic is Gil Thorpe because it's about sports. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of opinions about them, though. Usually, uh, you, you might know, on Sunday they're in color. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and on the rest of the week, they're black and white. Now, our local paper changed this at one point to where they were in color all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being about 14 or 15 and being like, this is bullcrap. Really? I was upset that they, I was like, having them in color on Sunday is special. <laughs> You're taken away from it. Uh, I felt very uh, adamant about that for a while. Oh, wow. But, uh, but I read them all. Read, uh, <laughs> read Apartment 3G. There was a, which is a hilarious comic about three girls. That's what the 3G stands for. Oh, I don't remember that one at all. That's okay. There was one where this, uh, one of the girls had become an artist and she was like in an artist space. I think it had like lead or something in the walls. And she was just having hallucinations and like this ghost of an artist appeared to her and told her to get out. Uh, and this other uptight snooty one, Margot, she got human trafficked and was making purses in a little like sweatshop and then had to escape. There were, <laughs> there were some Hell, insane uh, whimsical. drama. Yeah, they were, uh, they were something else. I read Kathy too, but I did not enjoy it. But you read it. Yeah, I know. I read all of them, and sometimes they would make me mad <laughs> because I was like, this is terrible. Uh, so going into this one, I had really high hopes, I'll say. I was like, this is going to be a fun, uh, joyous romp through the, the funny pages of the past. And I don't know any of these characters except for Blondie and Dagwood and uh, <laughs> I guess Dick Tracy. Yeah. Uh, Dick Tracy wasn't in our paper. But I know it's ongoing still. Is it? Yeah. Blondie started in the 20s as like a flapper girl. And it was about Blondie. And then eventually she got married to Dagwood. And all of that's been forgotten now. They're just normal suburban people. Oh. But it's been going on for about 100 years. That's a long time for anything to go on. Yeah, especially a daily comic strip. It would... It would kill a man if you dropped it on him from a certain height. <laughs> if you true. collected all of it. Maybe even, like, just not even, like, a, like if I was on the top of your house and dropped it on you, it would probably just pound you into the ground like a stake. Yeah, you're probably right. That that has to be a hefty amount. And that's what this film did to me. It pounded <laughs> me into the ground like a stake and would not let me leave. So, uh, that's my little spiel about the comics. Thank you for letting me go off. So right as we started this, I got a notification on my phone that my dad posted a new Facebook story. Oh, good. Uh, and you mentioned reading Kathy and things like that and sometimes being angered by the things that you read. Yes. Uh, well, this is something that I read and was immediately angered by. Oh, good. It's, uh, it's a picture, and uh, it's, a, it's a question and answer. It has a cue, and then it says... What's the difference between a vaccine passport and a yellow star? And the A 
The yeah, answer. I didn't want to know, is, so I didn't uh, ask. Eighty-two years. Oh. The picture beside it is a kid with a yellow star on his shirt. Oh, no, never again. So uh, that's why I'm embarrassed to be related to my dad, and will probably not maintain a relationship with him going forward. Excellent. Uh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that had pretty much. I think that had been priorly established prior yeah well so, it just, but there's just there's a reinforcement at this point it still made me angry when i read it even though i knew that like it was going to be terrible the second that i saw that he had posted anything <laughs> i just knew it was going to be fucking awful and make me angry well so you know fuck him yeah this covers about uh 82 years of history <laughs> so that works out uh, yes, yes it does, from... The 1910s up until, uh, the 70s, basically? Yeah, 82 years. Is that... I don't know how long that is. <laughs> it's not 82 years. I think it is. I'm gonna do some math. Uh, do you wanna go to break? Yeah, let's go ahead, we'll take a break, and then we'll be back to talk more about sex in the comics. I don't suppose you remember the eight pagers. Eight pagers? Well, our cartoonist friend, Mac, shall we call him, was what is known today as a chauvinistic pig. That is to say, he joined in on the great adventure called the First World War. It was a restless generation, anxious and naive. They were going to make the world safe for democracy, apple pie, and mother. They were the holdovers from the Victorian era, where profanity came in terms like gosh, gee whiz, and fudge. It was an era that obliged its men to take their hats off to a lady. It was also an era when ladies were ladies. Women criminals have a terrifying new trick. Blowing drug powder into your face to leave you a zombie who will do anything they say. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That sounds awesome, though. Like, I want to be... It's like what they did in Cannibal Holocaust, right? They, like, blew some powder into their face and then they were... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm glad that's made it to America after all this time. Well, that's like the, the voodoo zombies, you know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. She, the woman in this picture that I found has like, this is like a mountain of white powder in her hands. If someone came at me with this, I feel confident <laughs> that I could get away before they had a chance to blow it at me. Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on how close you're paying attention. Like, I imagine they aren't just slowly creeping up to you with their hands open with that. They would have to, because that would be the only... I feel like, like they could close their hands and carry it towards if you. If someone comes at me with, like, closed <laughs> hands, that's so sinister, I'm going to move away instinctively. Well, that's if you're that's like... like Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> the woman that approaches you with Mr. Burns' hands, you know something's wrong. She's going to fucking blow your tits off with her magic powder. Oh, yeah. Is long as it makes me feel good, that's fine. Uh, I did another doorman gig, and at the end of the night when we were counting the money, the three guys that no one knew came in and did bumps of cocaine and then left. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's just a different kind of powder. <laughs> and uh, You wouldn't want to get a ton of that blown into your face? Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> I would love that. If someone just blew cocaine just into me. I feel like if they blew as much cocaine as there was white powder in that picture in your face, you would probably die. Fine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what a way. 
to go. Uh, no, that's my life. Let's talk more about sex in the comics. Oh, I was accosted by a woman who tried to blow powder at me. <laughs> oh, you should have led with that. Well, I didn't. It's too late now. Sex in the Comics is an interesting film, to say the least. It's mm-hmm. uh, directed by Anthony Spinelli yeah. from uh, 1972. I feel like he definitely got better the more he worked. Because yeah. we started with uh, Dixie Ray Hollywood Star, and that one's pretty good. Right. The others that we have watched from him have been uniformly not so great. I think uh, yeah. this and The Big Snatch. Did he do the big... He did one of those two that were... He did... Uh, yeah, I think it... No, the big snatch was 1971 by Mark Hunter. Is that a fake name? Uh, what was the other one that we did? Big snatch and... It was so bad I've forgotten. I blacked it out. <laughs> uh, but we also... Wasn't the seduction of Lynn Carter him? I think so. I don't know. We're really... Yeah, it was Seduction of Lynn Carter as well. So we've seen several Anthony Spinelli films at this point. Yeah, I haven't been a big fan of most (laughs) of them. But I know he gets better, so I'm sticking with him. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt for trying things out. Well, this time when he tried things out, um, he certainly made something different. I'll give him that. Amongst the cast include uh, Rick Lutz, which I believe means that we are three weeks in a row with Rick Lutz on the show. Great. (laughs) He's a mainstay now. He sure is. He's the new Jamie Gillis to me. (laughs) His acting is just as good, if not better. (laughs) Uh, We have George Buck Flower in this as well. I love him. He was in Snatchula. Yes, yes, he was. Succula. Succula. We called it Snatchula because we combined the titles. The big Snatchula. Oh, yeah. Uh, did he do... I guess Anthony Spinelli did Succula? I think Anthony Spinelli did Succula. Yep, Anthony Spinelli did Succular. 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 Succula. Succula. It's hard to describe this film because it's very rapid fire. There are a bunch of parodies of uh, popular and non-popular comic strips mm-hmm. for throughout the, uh, the early to mid-20th century. The ages. The ages. Uh-huh. Stretching back to ancient Greece. Oh, yeah. He does talk briefly. about ancient Greece briefly, about yes. all the nasty stuff they drew on their walls. Very yeah. He did, we, don't get a, we don't get a, a, any uh, parodies of that stuff, unfortunately. No. Uh, instead, we're stuck with uh, some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we get, uh, basically, the way this film goes is we get a wraparound story about uh, Trake Johnson having an interview with Della Fields, mm-hmm. who uh, has come to ask him about Pinky the Cat. Yeah, that's his. Which is his comic his that he does. His big hit. His big hit comic. So this guy's basically like a John Ar... He's not John Arbuckle, like Jim Davis. Right. Yeah, of your favorite comic. Yes, yes. So she comes to have an interview with him uh, and notes at the very beginning that it's getting hot in there. And uh, it continues to as she undresses through the film. Yes. Uh, um, as uh, 
Trake Johnson tells his story, which is really the story of sex in comics, as the title of this film would lead you to believe, mm-hmm. uh, and does so through some talking about the climate of the world at different times with some stock newsreel footage yeah, we get, uh, and pictures we'll, and such. We got World War, World War One. Yeah. World War Two. The man with his funny mustache and his big chin friend. Yes. Uh, as they call him. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know. That stuff is kind of... I kind of like... That stuff's kind of interesting. It makes it feel like the Forrest Gump of uh, early 70s porno. Definitely, yeah. It's the... The eight pagers have always been there, which is the comics that we come to focus on. Yes. The- which are uh, like a real thing, like Tijuana Bibles and stuff. Yeah. Um, you could find probably some of them online somewhere. But some of our listeners might have them in their walls if they haven't hammered them yet. Or in the floors. Oh, yeah. We always forget the floors. I guess maybe that's why we haven't gotten any uh, things sent to us yet. Okay. Check yep. your floors and crawl spaces. Oh, yeah. If you don't know what a crawl space is, get down on all fours and crawl around your house until you find a spot that you can just slide into. <laughs> Uh, vents are also acceptable. Yeah, there's probably porn in those vents. If yeah. you have any stumps in the backyard, check them for old dirty magazines. Anything could have porn in it. Uh, if you have a wooded area near your house, odds are there's a bunch of porn in it. Yeah. If you have a lake, yeah, get a diving bell and go down and search the bottom. There's probably a big like a cartoonish safe full of old porn <laughs> mags down there. <laughs> So, uh, dredge your local waterways as well. Yes. Uh, if you have the inclination and time. Yes, and perhaps you'll find some of the eight pagers that uh, Trake Johnson describes in this film. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about some of those? Sure. Okay. So, Do you have any favorites? Oh, it's hard to say. I really did like Eric... Uh, Rick Lutz. Rick Lutz as uh, Dogwood. Yeah. He looks like a weird little boy. They've, like, made him, like, very, like, (laughs) soft-looking. Yeah, and one of them called Dogwood in two sales. Dogwood answers the door, and it's a uh, woman from the contraceptive company Mm -hmm. who uh, comes to sell him a uh, pill that can be used... uh, I suppose it's birth control. Yes. Because, uh, of course, the saleswoman, she doesn't really like condoms very much herself. Who does? Yeah, and that's understandable. So uh, so she ends up taking off her top, and he uh, jacks it a bit. Uh, it's time to jack, as they say. He does say that. <laughs> she rides him and uh, pounds away at her. And uh, eventually, uh, he finishes his duties there, and uh, Blondie comes home Mm -hmm. uh, and talks about how she met a guy who's selling contraceptives, and she bought a dozen boxes from him. Uh Uh-oh. And uh, then the comic ends without a punchline. Yep. I think (laughs) the punchline... As all of these do. (laughs) I think the punchline is that she got fucked. Right. I think that's it. Uh... I like the one before it with the, the little Barney Guggle thing that's going on. I don't 
quite know who that is, but he seems to be a southern gentleman of some sort who's there to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's hanging out in the saloon. And I think at this point we should mention that all the sets are just, like, painted cartoon backdrops. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was pretty neat to try to recreate that look. Yeah. Um, it has, like, the feel of, like, an amateur kind of high school production yeah. to it. But uh, I dug it. Good. Well, and there's something else that they do to uh, help mm-hmm. emphasize the comic book feel of things. Yes. Particularly when it comes to the characters themselves. Yes. Many of the characters in, in this segment is the it's the first one so you see it almost immediately and you're disarmed by it they have uh the most frightening like prosthetic faces i've ever seen yeah it looks like they're made of paper mache or something yeah they're like made of paper mache and they have giant bulbous cartoon eyes and like penis looking noses yeah uh, that are just like over the top of like the top half of someone's face right and these come in a variety of styles that we see throughout the film some people just have a prosthetic nose yeah, yeah. Uh, none of the women have to wear these, which they get to Betty Boop later, and I'm really happy they didn't make her look like a fucking nightmare <laughs> because a I, giant swollen oh my God, Betty Boop freakish head. head. Yes, uh, but in this one, I don't know some no some ne'er do wells. Uh, see our friend talking about all the money he has, and they go and get their, uh, I guess their prostitute friend, whoever like the woman is that. Uh, is going to trick him into sleeping with him and steal all his money. Right. They present her as a countess. Uh, they do a little talking and they get up to the, the, uh, his bedroom to, uh, do the deed. Right. Right. He pulls his penis out and it's probably about like a 10 inch rubber dildo or something like yeah. that. He begins to fuck her with it. And eventually the tip comes out of her mouth. Oh yeah. And then the table flips over and that's the end of it. I thought that was a good way to start it off. Yeah, and I think that it was good to go over that because it does a lot of the things to set up the rest of the film that mm-hmm. uh, this dogwood thing didn't do, which is the weird uh, paper mache face prosthetics. Yeah, and the and the uh, dildos extraordinary amount of dildos. This film probably has the widest range of sex toys in anything we've covered. Perhaps because most of the dicks are dildos in yeah. this. I don't really know why, except like to make 60% it more cartoonish. Probably, I, yeah. Uh, I guess to make it more cartoonish overall, right? Uh, it's a weird effect. It sure to is. go for. Uh, Rick uh, Lutz did not have any uh, face uh, prosthetics no. or uh, fake dick. Yeah, he's one of the few I think that doesn't. Right. Uh, boy, what a movie! Yeah. Um, what's some other ones he did? Oh, I like Peter B. Hard. He was a man who, he had a freakish face, and he was trying to, like, seduce this, like, circus dancer. Oh, yeah. And they go to fuck, and he has some great lines. Yeah, he's, Uh, I've noted that he was tossing out one-liners. Yeah, he's like, I got a deuce and a heart on. Let's do business. (laughs) And when he's fucking her, that ain't no cunt. It's a corridor. (laughs) This one, also, I think it has some good... Uh, it has a good visual gag. She's like, you don't have to pay me. He's like, well, can I have my ring back? Because he's been fingering her for oh, a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then she pulls out a bunch of different... Yeah, he's like, well, that's a... And he's like, that's a collar button. And he's like, that's a cuff link. Yeah. Uh, and he gets his ring back at the end. And then he gets beaten up by her pimp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gets blackjacked. Uh, she chews gum through the entire scene. 
<laughs> which was also good. So that was a fun one. These are all out of order. So if you watch this film, to be prepared to be surprised. This will probably be one of the few times where we don't just like walk straight through a film. It's, it's so impossible. hard to deal with. Yeah, it would be so tedious for you all to <laughs> have to hear Boss just describe like 30 of the same sex scene, but with people in masks or with a giant fake dick over <laughs> and over. What this film is is an endurance test. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost an hour and a half. Yeah, and... Like, none of the sex scenes go on for any length of time. A lot of it's just, like, five-second shots uh, yeah. with freeze frames. Yeah, there's a lot of freeze together. frames to kind of, like, mimic the feel of, like, comic panels and stuff. Uh, there's Dixie in Dildode. Oh, I like that one. That one was a, that was actually a pretty good, like, sex scene, I thought, in general. Both of those girls are pretty attractive. Yeah. Yeah, Dixie and Trixie. Yeah, Dixie and Trixie... Dixie doesn't know anything about fucking, so Trixie offers to put on a strap-on and fuck her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she wants to switch, and Dixie doesn't want to put on the dildo and fuck Trixie. Yeah. So uh, Trixie says that she'll keep fucking her, but she'll need to eat a lot of pussy while she's doing it. And she does it, and there's some very cartoonish slurps. Uh, yes. Overdubbed onto it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things she says before she puts on the doodle, she's like, prepare to get raped. Which is <laughs> yeah. a good line, I guess. It's something. This movie's a trip. Uh, da, da, da. You found anything else worth talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a short one. <laughs> Man, most of these aren't very good. No, they're not. It's something that's really fun for about like the first 30 minutes. That continues long after the joke has gotten old. Yeah. A lot like the funnies. Oh, uh, I liked uh, Richard Lacey in The Smuggler. Yeah, but he immediately calls himself Richard Tracy in the in the segment. Oh, yes, he yes. does. <laughs> There's a cop talking to him about how Maxine Dumont is a smuggler and they can't get her. Um, so... He ends up uh, showing up and confronting Maxine Dumont. Maxine uses her wiles, which uh, she claims no man can resist or has ever resisted her. She says that she will fuck him and he will be her slave. Yes. So we see her jacking him in bed and uh, she is uh, putting on a phony French accent through all of this. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, she keeps saying that he's magnifique. She says uh, at one point, At last I found a prick to please me. You'll never go away. Very good. Uh, but after a bit, Maxine's assistant comes in naked with a gun and pulls uh, Dick Tracy or Richard La Lacey. Richard, Richard Tracy. Richard, Richard Lacey, yes. It's Richard Tracy. Oh, Richard Tracy. It's both. Uh, <laughs> Maxine's assistant pulls the detective off of Maxine uh, and points a gun at him. And um, she demands that uh, Dick fucks her. Uh, then we see Maxine tied up and the uh, assistant blowing Dick as he's calling the police to have them meet him there. He fucks her missionary style and says, here's a little fucking exhibition that'll last all night. 
uh, <laughs> to Maxine as she's tied up and watching, yes. which is a fun visual. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, that was a better, I think it's the second of the Dick Tracy ones. The first one, he's just kind of like a private investigator who I think spies on someone's wife having sex with someone, uh, with another woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then at the end of them having sex, I guess when she comes, like, smoke just shoots out of her pussy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Rick Lacey says to his client, oh, take some lessons in sucking cunts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's the end of that one. That's right. Uh, I forgot about that. This movie's baffling. It really is. It's kind of... Um, it's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you question your own sanity as you watch it. Yeah, you can feel it kind of being drained from you as it keeps going. Uh, and then you're know, like, where does one start and the next end? <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, we get uh, Betty Boob in improvising. Oh, yeah. She is getting fucked, and then she says, let me spank this uke, and she's got a ukulele. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that's about all I remember from that scene. Uh, yeah, she starts playing the ukulele, and the guy who's fucking her says, that's a good idea. I can fuck better to music. Uh, I just remember being just very thankful that she wasn't a horror to look upon. Yeah. So. She's uh, she's riding this lifeguard that she's banging. Yeah. Are they fucking behind a fence? Uh, I believe so. There's several scenes There's behind several the fence scenes. in this film. Yeah, I noted that that was like one thing was people... We're just trying to fuck behind a fence, and someone would always come along and interrupt them in some way. I think in this case, it might be done by the uh, the smut hound. Yeah, it's the smut hound who, who yells like. at them to repent because they're fornicating sinners. They are. Um, was he Rick Lutz? I don't remember. Believe I don't think so. so. The, then I guess I just I don't know. These notes. I don't know. Are, he might have been. My notes are very bad. Uh, I think that kind of gets across the broad strokes of the film, though. Uh, yeah, but as these stories are, are coming to life before your eyes, yeah. the uh, comics that you love so much uh, on the screen at last in a realistic fashion, uh, in between these stories we get Trake Johnson and Della Fields talking, and eventually Della Fields ends up, because the... Uh, office keeps getting warmer she continues to undress as each story ends and mm -hmm. uh eventually she's completely naked yes and uh that's delightful it is delightful what a fine thing to be he keeps changing costume too oh yeah yeah he does he's dressed like a pimp at one point and he's dressed like i think like groucho marks at another yeah yeah, yeah. um baffling baffling stuff yeah, so Trake was telling the story about this cartoonist Mac this whole time. Mm -hmm. And after he finishes telling Della the story, and she's just naked hanging out the office at this point, having masturbated and everything else, mm -hmm. he invites her to dinner. And he says that over dinner he'll he'll tell her the Pinky story about Pinky the cat. Yeah. That he was supposed to be telling her this whole time. Yeah. But instead he was just talking filth to her. Yeah. For the it, past 90 minutes. And it worked. <laughs> she offers to cook and uh, she says that she wishes she could have met his friend Mac that he's been talking about. He says, maybe you will. Then the camera pans down 
to his uh, cartoonish boner in his pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he turns sideways and it becomes more apparent. But then it pans left to uh, Della's ass, which has the end painted on it. But it's not the end. But it isn't the end, you're right. There are about four more minutes of just completely unrelated stuff. I guess they had shot and had to <laughs> stick in somewhere. Yeah, there's just some weird uh, deviancy going on. Yeah. Uh, and we get to see Buck Flower as a flasher. Yeah, he's going around flashing billboards of women. Yeah. So there's one, I think, for like maybe milk or something like that originally. I know there's a Roxy Music uh, billboard that he flashes. Uh-huh. And that's cool. Good little sight. There's also like uh, a couple fucking on a picnic table. Yeah, yeah. And some other stuff. Some uh, women dancing around a giant cock totem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this film might have just been better without any structure at all. And right. just being a... Just like a surreal sexual journey. Yeah. Yeah, it feels... I don't know. In some way, it feels like a relic of like the late 60s, even though it was made in, what, 73? 72. 72. So, I mean, kind of, yeah, still a little bit then. Very bizarre film. Uh, and not always in the kind of way that I like of film to be bizarre. <laughs> right. Uh, well, that's that's good enough, I think. So I let's. Think, I think we've hit it. Yeah, let's take another break, and then we'll be back to give our uh, our thoughts on the film itself. All right. He must have been quite a man, your friend Mac. I sure would have liked to have met him. Who knows? Maybe you will. Maybe you will. Are you awake? I'm here. Okay. Disassociating a little bit. Well, that's the effect that sex in the comics has on you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the effect it might be on the general population. <laughs> well, um... They could show this movie to, like, uh, psych patients, and it would just, <laughs> like, work as well as any sedative. So just... Not really calm them, but to uh, space them out. <laughs> so I guess we should get to it. Uh, well, I figured that this was your review now. It's becoming my review. Okay. Yes. Um, gee, I really didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was pretty excited to watch it at first, just based on the concept. Right. And I'd watched the first... 15-ish minutes of it a couple nights before I watched it, and I was like, this is pretty fun. Right. But it stopped being fun at some point. <laughs> it's like being trapped on, like, a ride at a, like a, a really cheap, like, dirty carnival. Where you just keep looping around and around in a little, uh, little uh, shoe. Like a little, like a car shaped like a shoe, like a roller skate that just loops you around and around. Um, or like the time when I was, I don't know, 11 and I got into the, you ever read that a, uh, it's like a barrel, it's like a barrel ride. 
and you like sit in the barrel and you like spin it around and around and around and around. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've never been on one of those, I don't think. Good. Uh, <laughs> these girls were really spinning it, and I hated it, and the ride wouldn't end. And I was so dizzy and so afraid I was going to fly out. And this film really kind of replicates that in a way where it doesn't let you ever get your balance, and it refuses to end. Uh, <laughs> There are some things I liked. I think I noted earlier, like I like the attempt at making like comic backgrounds. I like that they, I guess, did a film like this. Right. It's kind of similar maybe to like one of those like white coder things where it's supposed to sort of be educational. Right. But in a much more, uh, I guess, explicit way than a lot of those. Right. But there just wasn't, uh, there's not enough to it. To keep it going for the length that it is. I think if they had maybe done anything else, it would have been better. (laughs) Some kind of cohesion, you know, like have a segment, like a longer segment about like a couple characters and not 40 segments about 20 different characters uh, that are basically interchangeable. Uh, I will probably never watch this again. Uh, I'm glad it exists for the novelty value of it. Right. But if I want to watch something with a novel value, there's definitely better stuff that I could watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stuff that's a lot more competent. I'm going to give it a uh, a little tiny one. (laughs) A little tiny one? Yeah, it's small. Um, Over to you. All right, well, I think that you and I have somewhat different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that this was not the way to do this film. I think that if they had just created a long narrative with, like, five characters from random famous comics and just mm-hmm. put them together in a world, they could have done the whole parody of comic thing Yeah, and told, like, one story rather than having these interchangeable stories that last a few minutes at a time and in the end don't like have any payoff to the stories no they're like sight gags but they forgot to do a gag or anything (laughs) they're just like a freeze frame on someone's shocked face but like why um i will say though that the one thing that this film did do very well i never knew where it was going to go next yeah and I was not bored. I just, I don't know. It was, it was poorly executed, but there is uh, still personality that comes out of it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But not um, all personalities are good. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, I think that just the fact that it's so baffling in what it does mm-hmm. and the weird things that happen in it and the uh, all the really campy, dirty jokes that happen along the way and mm. all of the rubber dicks and paper mache faces and the hand-painted backgrounds and all of that stuff amount to make it something that I was... Uh, I guess mentally engaged with the entire time, even if that mental engagement drove me mad. (laughs) I don't know. So overall, I gave it 2.5 stars. All right. I don't, 
there are like specific aspects of it that I could see as pieces to a five star movie. Mm-hmm. And there are also aspects of it that I see as pieces of a one or zero star movie. Yeah. Uh, so I just threw it somewhere in the middle. It's... I will probably never watch it again, but I could also see say that like in 10 years, I could see myself being like, what was this all about? And then falling asleep to it. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, I guess that does it. For this week's edition of the Raincoat Report, uh, check us out on social media. We got Twitter at Raincoat Report, Instagram at Raincoat Report. Send us questions, queries, uh, what's riddles. Riddles. Oh, if you have a riddle, please, we will live solve it on the air. Uh, limericks. Yeah, limericks, dirty limericks, uh, haikus, okay. uh, fan art. Yeah. Uh, fan ship, like uh, fan fiction about us. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any, that would be delightful. Um, you can send all that stuff to raincoatreport at gmail.com. Yes. And if you're a little cartoon and you're caught in the rain, you might melt. So uh, don't forget your raincoat. 